Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here for the Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Henry Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. You're streaming the show live. We say thank you. Same goes if you're listening to this great radio partner. We've got Clay Travis coming up in 20 minutes. But Chad, uh, starting on Monday, we were mentioning our next guest uh, and what he must be feeling. As a, Same for the Seminole fan base and college football fans. Certainly uh, echoed a lot of this sentiment. Danny Cannell joins us, courtesy of Bet Online. You can check out BetOnline.net for updated college football playoff, conference, Heisman, and bowl game lines. Danny, thank you for the time, man. Hope things are okay. Jonathan, what's going on? Chad, great to be on with you guys. You know, you kind of go through those, what, five stages of grief, you know, whatever they are. I don't know what phase I'm in. There was anger early right away. Is it acceptance um, yet? No. <laughs> I, no. I don't know if I'll ever get acceptance. I mean, to be like... Thought I was doing better. I thought time would heal these wounds. And then, you know, I see all the talking heads kind of justifying it on Monday and Tuesday, and I got fired up. And then I actually was on the golf course, and I was playing with Greg Anthony, who I work with. Um, he does stuff at Sirius, and so we play golf the same course. And he come, I was actually even par through about five holes, playing pretty good. He comes up and joins our group, and he goes, uh, sorry about your nose. And I was like, yeah, I was like, we got screwed. And he's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I was like, uh, here, here we, we go. go. Yeah. And then yes. it was like, he, and he was of the camp, like it would have been a bad game. And so I think it's just going to be a debate that rages on Florida state fans uh, may, may never get over it. I know the players won't, I know they'll meet up in 25, 50 year reunions down the road and say, we got screwed. It's just, it's just the unfortunate reality of the playoff that we're in. Saturday night, did you have the a feeling that this would happen, that Florida State would not get in after Bama beat Georgia? Or did you think that the committee would do it based on the conference champion that was unbeaten? So Bama won. We knew that happened. And I was like, oh boy, here's the, here's the scenario that everybody had been proposing. And instantly I was like, uh-oh, this could be a problem. This could be problematic for Florida State. But then, you know... You're kind of hopeful thinking, man, Louisville, if we put up a good performance, we could possibly, you know, I think then like if we do what Ohio state did right back in 2014 in the yeah. big 10 championship game, they needed, they had third string quarterback, Cardell Jones, they won 59 to nothing. So I'm like, well, we're not going to get 59 to nothing. That just wasn't reasonable, but man, if we just win by even just look good and it looked awful. Like, and then I'm, and then as the game is unfolding, I'm watching this and I was working up in New York city with, uh, CBS sports. And I was in studio. I'm like, this is not, they're going to watch this and the powers that be the committee. They are not going to want to see this pro. I mean, it was gross. That was awful. You like, you couldn't explain it any other way. And that's all we were consumed by because we needed that eye test pass. And I, you had already heard the, the conversation throughout the day and throughout the week leading up that man, Florida state didn't look great against Florida, even though I thought we looked better. But then without Tate Rodemaker, it's like, oh, man, what are we going to do? So to answer your question, yeah, I was worried about it. And then at the same time, so then they won and they covered. And I also watched Michigan. And Michigan against Iowa, they didn't look great. 
Like, and they, they didn't look any better offensively, but they had their starter. And so we're okay with that. But I, yeah, when, when I was doing the live reaction, we were on air and as they revealed Texas at three, I was like, we're screwed. You know, like I just felt like if Florida state was in, they would have kept the three undefeateds at the top backed in Texas or Alabama. But as it turns out, you know, the committee was more putting up Bama against Florida state, the resumes, the eye test and Bama just beat, you know, the number one team in the country and Florida state didn't look great against Louisville who just lost to Kentucky. So kind of saw it coming. Just, just in theory, Danny, my, my biggest issue with this whole thing and take the teams out of it, everything else, just on its face. And I know there's bylaws and contingencies that allow them to do this. I, I don't want a committee to project and tell me what they think is going to happen. I want the committee to look at all 13 games for every team or 12 games and tell me what's happened. Tell me the four best teams based on those resumes. And don't get into this. And we, we heard the anonymous committee, committee member, member tell yeah. um, Heather Denich, oh. oh, you know, we just sat there and watched the first half of Louisville, Florida State, and they couldn't get first downs offensively. And we said, oh, this isn't going to look good in a playoff. And that yep. really bothers Do me. Do we think they could win a national title? And we thought no. That really bothers <laughs> me because I, I don't, and I know it's in there and people are going to say, it's in the bylaws. I don't care. I want it out of the bylaws. I hate the projection part of this. Does that bother you? Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> like that's a slam dunk question, Chad. Of course it does. Um, I thought it was ridiculous. I thought it was an easy cop out for them to say we don't think they could win. But I mean, there's a laundry list of examples that you could prove that you don't have to be great offensively to win a championship, right? I mean, I, I kept going back to the, and I, I think I actually put this out there during the ACC championship game because it was, I think it was three nothing, three three. It was gross. And I'm thinking, oh, this reminds me of the 9-6 Alabama LSU. Remember that game, which everybody loved. Oh, look at this defense. Look at this defense on display. And there were a lot of there was a lot of NFL talent on the field. But you also had Jordan Jefferson at quarterback or Jarrett Lee. I don't remember who it was for LSU. And their offense was atrocious. And you had an Alabama offense that was sputtering around. And they weren't innovative like they are now. They were trying to run it into this brick wall. And the game was disgusting. I didn't hear one person complain about that game or eye test. And, you know, didn't bother anybody. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, when they won the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer, that offense wasn't pretty, but the defense was incredible. Um, there's always been, I mean, that's one of the things that makes, you know, football specifically great is that you've got, you know, different styles and you've got different ways to win. And the greatest team sport that we know, 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, they told you one player made that much difference which I get it. It does make a huge difference, but you cannot penalize a team that did not lose and for winning ugly. Like I've always told coaches, this is during the regular season. And I would have said this after Alabama beat Auburn. Don't ever apologize for an ugly win. Like you should never have to apologize for an ugly win. And that that's what Florida state felt like they had to do. And the committee said, yeah, it was ugly. It was a win. I mean, it felt like a loss and it, they essentially viewed it as a loss that impacted Florida state, you know, forever. Chad, I'll take it a step further. Like, I don't want the committee to have to project. How about we just get rid of any committee, get rid of any computers. Let's just play it out on the field. And until we get that, because I know a lot of people are saying, well, we're going to 12. It'll solve the problem. It's not going to solve the problem. There's still going to be a committee that's going to select half the field based on eye test, all the metrics that we talk about. You know, quarterbacks getting hurt. There might be a school that's at the 12 spot, 12 line. They lose their quarterback. It could happen again. 
until we get to a place where we know what you need to win, you win, you're in, and then it's it's just it's it's a true playoff. I think every fan should look at it with some skepticism and say, ah, this isn't really a playoff. This is an invitational. Yeah, you nailed it. Then there's going to be the debate about 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. But it's better to have that, just like it's better to have in the NCAA tournament the debate between 68, 69, 70 than 4, 5, and 6 going into a tournament, there is right? A unique, there is a unique aspect, too, though, where the four, five, one, two, three, four will get a bye. So yeah. Florida State, if they were in 5, they still would have had to play right away. They would have had to play earlier. They would yeah. have not had a bye. You know, and if it was the back end, maybe they drop them. They because. I mean, it was a total sham. Like, if you think Florida State's bad, don't put them at five ahead of Georgia. They're a 14-point underdog versus Georgia. Why do you still have them at five? I thought they were awful. I thought they can't win a championship. Like, they can't beat Georgia if they can't win a championship. You know, like, so there's just so many, so many things that were just so problematic. But again, like, that won't change either because there's a huge advantage to being one, two, three, four. You get the bye. There's an advantage to being five, six, seven, eight. You get the home game. So there's still going to be this committee of people that are going to determine the true fate of college football. And I hate that. And I think it, it makes fans leery and distrustful, which I think is, this is the perfect reason why let's get into the ESPN conspiracy theory time here. The, the, the ESPN is the puppeteer of what they want. Right. Um, Do you think it was more ESPN for ratings and interest and everything else badly wanted Texas and Alabama in and to get Alabama in, they needed to put Texas at three as a one-loss college uh, uh, conference champion and then Bama behind them because of the head-to-head, and that's what they did. Do you think it was more that or more ESPN saying, we just don't want Florida State because they have a backup quarterback? Was it more the desire for Alabama and Texas or the anti-desire to have Florida State play in the, in the playoff? I, I wish I could say, I mean, look, I was laid off by ESPN. There's a lot of thoughts I have about my time there. You know, I liked all the people I worked with. I would love to say like the executives devised this plan to, you know, manipulate and pull the strings. I'm not going to go that far, but it was very clear. And I, I, there was one person who was really pounding the table the most and it was Kirk Herbstreet. And what Kirk Herbstreet says at ESPN that holds more weight than anybody, maybe more than Bob Iger who's in charge of Disney. Like as far as college football goes, what Kirk Herbstreet says is gospel. And when he started, he was one of the first ones. Him and Desmond Howard were on game day before, like right around when Jordan Travis got hurt. It was the next day or maybe even before then. And they floated the possibility that they didn't think an undefeated Florida State could get in. That was the minute I was like, uh-oh. And then the week leading into championship weekend, you had Herbstreet on Pardon My Take saying, I don't care about doing the right thing. I mean, those are his words. He said, I don't care about doing the right thing. We're supposed to get the four best teams. And he really was pounding home the four best teams. And I think a lot of people on the committee pay attention to that. I think other analysts at ESPN pay attention to what Herbstreet says. And I thought that absolutely swayed opinion of the analyst and eventually, ultimately, probably the committee too. They're listening. And if I'm Kirk Herbstreet, I'm probably thinking the same thing. Like, I don't, I don't. I had to sit through TCU Georgia last year. This game could be ugly, even though there's no guarantee. I, he didn't want to sit through that. So I think it was, it's just, there was definitely a narrative from the majority of the people that worked on air. And I'll say this, it wasn't only ESPN. There were a lot of Fox people too, who were saying, nah, you don't want Florida state in there. That's going to be ugly. That's going to look gross. If they get blown out, it's bad for college football. It's bad for all of us. Where's our enjoyment. 
And that's kind of where it went to. Like, I, and I, I understand it. I don't think it's right. Like I, I would say you have to do the right thing as a former player. Herb Street's the son of a coach. A lot of those guys that are up there are former players. You should do as much as you can protect the integrity of the game. And I thought that was completely blown up by saying, who cares about doing the right thing? Yeah, they won all their games, but we need a good product ultimately for the final four. I thought that's where the powers, the influential players, you know, uh, uh, the inf- like the, the gatekeepers of the sport, I thought they failed college football fans by doing that. Danny Cannell joins us courtesy of betonline.net. What is the sentiment now? of Florida State and the ACC and Mm. uh, the impact that the conference would have played in just the the resume head-to-head for Alabama? So, you know, it's it's, we already know Florida State's been very clear about wanting to get out of the ACC, right? right? I mean, is there any more of a reason than this than they need to go back to the... And basically, their Board of Regents felt the same way. Like, they're all looking at the economics... The finances, they're saying, yeah, this isn't going to last over the long term. I think the last time I was on here, we talked about it. Yep. Well, now they can just go with like another hammer. It just feels like everything is pointing towards Florida State's exit from the ACC, which I I do feel bad for Jim Phillips because he's in a, a no-win situation. But I think even Florida State fans are like, this is ridiculous. Like, we got to get out. And I I do wonder if this sparks change earlier. Like, I think this offseason was already going to be one filled with a lot of speculation. But I think there's going to be more of an effort for Florida State to try to exit. But I do, I do wonder if because it was, you know, the playoff is owned by ESPN and the SEC is owned by ESPN. Excuse me, the college football playoff is its own entity, but the SEC and the push to get the SEC and Saban is on there. I do wonder, and this is no inside insider information, if this makes Florida State more likely to say, "Man, you guys kind of screwed us," and you know, "Hey, Big Ten, what do you guys think?" You know, like. I, that's just rough speculation. I think either one, you guys know this. We've talked about this before. I think the SEC is a better fit fan-wise, regional rivalries that are already there kind of in place. But I just wonder if you're looking at this saying, just with a bad taste in your mouth about you know, Florida State. I will say this too. I do think, and I, I have felt this from a lot of fan bases, but Florida State, I've joked about FSU Twitter as a thing. They've been really bad, Kirk Herbstreet over the years. They've been really bad to a lot of those guys in the set. You know what makes it a lot easier to do when you don't like a fan base to say, yeah, let's leave them out. You know, like I, and I, I, and Feinbaum said that said, Hey, everybody already doesn't like Florida state. And he was more alluding to the fact that they had, you know, tried to push their way out of the ACC and they made it public and people didn't like that, which I totally disagree with. Like would have been, would have been better for them in the dark of the night, just to bounce the way Oklahoma and Texas did. Like we're all okay with that but Florida state goes public with it. And all of a sudden they're enemy number one of college football. But I do think there might've been some truth to that from, I mean, Boo Corrigan's the head of the committee. He's at NC state. They're not exactly one of the schools that's going to benefit from whatever decision Florida state makes. So maybe he wasn't as likely to pound the table and go to bat for Florida state. So I do think there's some of that. And that goes back to the personalities and the people, the human aspect of the committee, which you can look at. And I think it's, worth asking that question like was there some personal animosity towards florida state because of either way their fan base treated you or because of their you know public profession that they want out and they deserve better than the acc certainly no there's animosity for the uh college football playoff uh selection committee uh no doubt and what's yeah. crazy i mean and this is not just florida state's fan base i mean i'm sure every fan base has looked up 
I mean, I'm sure they've been grilling the committee with DMs and messages on social media. Like it's just, it's un, and every fan base would do it. I have implored Florida State's fans to be like, hey, don't be so nasty. Like it doesn't do us any good. I get passionate, like sending death threats and calling people's children ugly. Like that's not doing anybody any good. But every fan base has idiots, you know, including ours. Danny Cannell uh, joined us courtesy of betonline.net. Danny, always great to catch up with you, man. Thank you for the perspective here. Really good stuff. Here. Thank yeah. you, Danny. Let's catch up soon. Jonathan, appreciate it, Chad. Great catching up. We'll see you guys. Yeah, Thanks, man. buddy. Appreciate it. One of the best right there. Makes a lot of good points. Yeah. And I, I mean, and, and does so in, a, in an area where it, the sentiment is going to be the best games are currently scheduled. But... Uh, I love the tie-in with ESPN. I love the tie-in with and the ACC. Interesting what he had to say just about human nature. That it yeah. naturally, if you're getting crushed on social media by a specific fan base, you're probably not going to like that team that of that fan base and not want them to do well just naturally. So that's that's an interesting part of that. And his thoughts on Herb Street being yeah. one of the leaders, the thought leaders of college football. Makes a lot of sense. Play Travis joins us next on Hot Mike with Hunter Withrow across the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick network. And speaking of uh, Outkick, you can head over to shop.outkick.com and you can check out the new Outkick store just launched. And to celebrate, we're offering a buy one, get one 50% off deal for a limited time. You can find our favorite polos, t-shirts, and more. Visit shop.outkick.com and score 50% off. All you got to do, shop.outkick.com, add items to the cart. Discount is automatically applied. Chad, what do you have over here? Uh, mail? Hutton, you know, way back in the day, Clay Travis, our next guest, was on a local Nashville radio station. We worked for the same station. Yep. There was a segment called Hate Mail with Hutton. Yes. Where you would read oh, yeah. emails, uh, social media complaints about Clay Travis. Terrific segment. Always loved it. We need a new Plenty segment called Fan Mail sent to 6th and Peabody, <laughs> Old Smokey and Yeehaw for Clay. Uh, that I get to open. So, Clay, this is the second time that someone has sent mail here for you. This is uh, from an address in Ohio, clearly personally stamped. It looks like fan mail. I asked this to you before. I'll ask again. May I open this for you? The last time it was a book sent by someone for you. It's still here. Are you okay with me opening this during a commercial break at some point? Yeah, yeah, and, and and I'm actually interested to see what uh, what is being uh, what's being sent. Um, I mean, I can do it during the show you, too, if you'd can, like. Yeah, you can open it. You can open it during the show during okay, one good. of these questions uh, and inform us. But uh, Hutton, we should bring that back. Oh, I'm... hate mail with Hutton back in the day. That's a great idea. Let's do uh, it. Whatever people would complain when we did local sports talk radio, uh, you would read it as if it were like the voice of God. You know, like uh, if it were in all caps, I would scream it to you. Yes, yes, (laughs) we need to bring that back. The problem is, maybe you guys need to go into my mentions. I don't, I don't read them very much anymore. (laughs) Email, whatever. The I like I'm America's sweetheart. All of a sudden, like you know, like ninety nine percent. I mean, you guys 
see me out and about. Like I, everybody's so nice. Your and, approval like, rating a, has never been higher. It's not. It's amazing. Of, it's not all of a sudden though. I've been you know years ago. We're in Hoover, Alabama. You're you're hated by Bama fans, but you're signing autographs with them and posing for photos with babies. Uh, well, yeah, and it's because all this stuff online is mostly BS, right, right. Um, I think. Uh, yeah. But uh, and there's, you know, relatively few people out there who really get that worked up um, in general. But now I'm probably jinxing myself. I'm probably <laughs> just open like you know a letter laced with arsenic and are going to die, <laughs> um, which would be a tough tough twist for this uh, this segment to go from. <laughs> how beloved I am to Withrow being taken out in a hazmat suit. Um, <laughs> it's, but, it, uh, I can't confirm yeah. play. Uh, no arsenic, no anthrax in here. Um, it, it's a, it's a love letter from someone. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, from a speaker and a Christian comedian uh, that is pushing their book or their latest work or wants you to uh, talk about it. So I'll get you the details uh, of this gentleman. We should have this to you. But speaking of love fest, who would have expected a love fest between you and Stephen A. Smith? That seemingly has happened twice now where it seems, Clay, after your latest conversation with Stephen A., you guys probably agree on a lot more than you disagree on. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think most American sports fans agree on way more than they disagree on. And I'm not talking about like, oh, somebody can be a fan of the Giants and somebody else can be a fan of the Cowboys or the 49ers or the Wobegon, you know, Tennessee Titans. Like, I'm not talking about agree on who you root for uh, from a fan base perspective, but I, I think there's a desperate demand for sanity um, in America in all facets of life. I thought Riley Gaines's testimony yesterday um, on Capitol Hill was just phenomenal. She's so good um, at what she does and, and so fearless in advocating for something that is so much common sense. Uh, but I, I think that what you're seeing is, and I give credit to Stephen A. I did his podcast. I don't know. It's probably been four or five months ago. And as part of that, we said, Hey, we'll do a home and home. He said, I'll come on your show. And so he interviewed me and then I interview him. And there's obviously points of agreement and points of disagreement. But I think similar to our last conversation, people seem to respond to it very well. And uh, I think, the vast majority of the American public wants more people from different backgrounds and different experiences and perspectives to talk more as opposed to, uh, as opposed to talking less. That seems to me to be something that um, is, is sought after to a substantial degree. He's next in line. So uh, automatically in my mind, he's getting that bump in pay is where would you place Stephen A's value play to to ESPN compared to recent hires that they've made I think he's probably uh, again so let, let me take a step back there's all different sorts of ways to assess value right, right. so uh what is Troy Aikman and Joe Buck worth worth to ESPN for Monday Night Football well a lot because 20 million people might watch Monday Night Football what is Kirk Herbstreit worth to ABC and ESPN because of what he does at college game day and for what he does uh, in terms of the viewership for the college football playoff, college football all year. Obviously he's also doing Thursday night football without Michaels. My point on that is there are different ways to assess value because everybody has a different job in terms of someone who appears on a daily basis on ESPN programming. I think Stephen A. Smith is the most valuable talent at ESPN. Uh, you're getting a great deal of tonnage. I think first take is three hours every day, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, that is a, a you know major uh, quality of performance. I mean, you guys do 15 hours uh, a week. I do 15 hours a week of radio. I do Outkick. Uh, I think there's a lot of tonnage. So I would put Stephen A. Smith number one in the terms of value in that I think first take without him would drop off tremendously. And I think it would be hard to do a show anywhere near the success level that they do it now. Uh, I would put, you know, at Fox, uh, I'm a big believer in tonnage, by which I mean the amount of content that you put out on a daily basis. Colin Coward, to me, probably the most valuable on-air talent for FS1 because he's giving three hours of solo radio show every day. Uh, Skip Bayless, I would say, is the second most valuable because that show they built around Skip. Um, So I I think probably the three most valuable talents on daily sports television programming, and you could debate who is, you know, where you would rank them. Uh, But I think you would say Cowherd, Bayless, and, uh, and Stephen A. Smith would be the three most valuable. And then there are other guys who do less hours, right? Like Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser would be extremely valuable on a daily basis uh, with PTI. Um, You know, there are other people who do less lengthy shows, but I always say uh, the value of doing 15 hours, not that many people can do it and even fewer can do it very well. So that's kind of how I would assess it. Clay Travis with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Um, So I I know you're, you're pleased with what the committee did. Is Georgia not one of the four best teams in America right now, though? No, they are. Um, and, and I think this goes to the, the inherent conflict and difficulty that the college football playoff committee has. There are two primary ways to value teams, best and most deserving. And the reality of what the committee does is they don't take the best and they don't take the most deserving. They somehow come up with a mix between the two. So I think the four best teams in college football – in no particular order, are Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. I think those are the four best teams, but those aren't the four most deserving teams. Uh, So Washington, for instance, and Texas do deserve, in my opinion, to be in the playoff, but they're not the four best. They're not two of the four best. Um, If you were just doing the best, you wouldn't even really look at results because sometimes the best team might lose a couple of games. Texas is in because I think they have the best single win all season winning by 10 on the road at Alabama is I think the best single win of the college football season. Second best I think is probably Alabama over Georgia. That's why Alabama is in third best is probably Michigan over Ohio state. That's why Michigan is in. That's why Ohio state is out. Um, so, and then you probably fourth best uh, is a dual win. Washington beating Oregon twice is probably the yeah. fourth and fifth best, fifth best wins. So you reward the teams that win the biggest games. Uh, you don't just go strictly by Vegas odds. But if you told me right now, and I made this argument on Saturday night, Alabama or uh, Florida State, who would Michigan rather play? I think every single Michigan coach, player, and fan would pick Florida State. Now, they would have picked TCU last year. So sometimes you pick a team and you still end up losing to them. But I think Georgia, to your point, Hutton, they're a 14-point favorite over this Florida State team. Um, If Georgia, you know, you never know who's going to opt out, who's going to play. That's a complexity of bowl season when you're not in the playoff. Uh, But Georgia probably is the best team in college football. 
I would have had the exact same first four, but I would have had Georgia five. I would have had Ohio State six, and I actually would have bumped Florida State all the way down to seven. Clay, there is a uh, whopper of a post and a story right now at OutKick. Uh, I'm just going to read the post to you and, and get your response right now. That I stumbled upon this before you joined us here today. Gen Z men love betting on sports and don't care about having sex or marrying, which could be very bad news for the housing market starting next year. This from a Wall Street vet. Quote, 30% of young men said they haven't had sex in over a year and don't seem to care. Clay, your thoughts on the correlation of sports betting, young men not having sex, not marrying, and the housing market crisis that apparently is coming in the next year. Well, so one, let, let me dive into this. I just talked about it. I never thought I was going to see Kim Jong-un, North Korea's dictator, say something and me be like, you know what? He's got a really important point here, and I agree <laughs> with him wholeheartedly. And that just happened this week. Me and, me and Kim Jong-un, not usually on the same page. You know, I'm, you know a Korean uh, evil dictator, and I don't oftentimes, I think to myself, wow, our brains are completely aligned here. We got a major issue with population. I think I was talking about this with you and Hutton last night. Yeah. I tell my boys now, uh, 15, 13, and 9, and they probably think that, you know, dad's crazy uh, for saying this. Uh, I keep, I'm drilling into them. You guys need to have as many kids as possible because I'm not concerned about the climate. I'm not concerned about like the polar ice caps melting. That's not my thing. I'm concerned that the population in the world is going to collapse because many couples are choosing not to have kids. And so that ties in if 30% of men are not having sex, I mean, in a year, that ain't good. Uh, right. So, I mean, they're probably sitting around playing video games instead, uh, and gambling. And I think this goes to larger societal trends. When I was in high school or college, you wanted to get out and be physically present with members of the opposite sex. In fact, you would do whatever you could to scheme to be in the presence of as many pretty girls as you possibly could when you were 15, 16, 17 years old and on into your 20s and 30s and beyond, right? Yes. Kids today don't really meet up. Like they're not trying to get their driver's license like we all were. Uh, they mostly interact via their phones and they don't have the same social interaction of boy-girl uh, dynamic that we did. I asked my 15-year-old recently if he wanted to take some girl that he's talking to uh, to like go get a pizza in the neighborhood, and he looked at me like I asked him if he wanted to go to Mars. Like it was a crazy <laughs> – he was like, no, we're Snapchatting and FaceTiming, Dad. We don't need to go out in person and get pizza. I was like, I don't even understand. Like this, I know everybody complains about the newest generation, but when I was 15 or 16, I would want to be – uh, you know, if I could, not that I had a lot of options. I mean, uh, let's be honest, but I would want to be out with as many pretty girls as I could. Um, you get dropped and, off uh, the movie theater I, to go I, hang out with girls, right? Even before you're driving oh, or whatever it was well, that you did mall. on Friday night. Yes. Like, yeah, you spent a ton of time planning and plotting to be around as many pretty girls as you could. And it's like, they're not even trying to do it. And it's not just boys, by the way, it's girls too. I don't understand it, but the world's going to collapse. Well, thank God for that trend, by the way, <laughs> with two daughters, I'm, I'm all for that one. Nobody will have kids. Kim Jong-un, he's a hundred percent, right? I disagree with him on wanting to blow the world up and get nuclear weapons, but he's a hundred percent, right? People need to have more kids, including my own boys who I'm arguing to have as many kids as they can. And if you're listening to me right now, go have babies. 
I uh, hopefully can, with a married uh, married couple. <laughs> I can hear it now. Uh, I don't someone want you clipping. to go full Travis Henry, full <laughs> Travis Henry, and have seven kids by seven different women. But I want you to get married and have as many kids be and fruitful counting. and Play, multiply as much as you can. Play is for married children and not uh, Antonio Cromartie, uh, yeah. not remembering the name of I don't want kids. eleven. Yeah. I don't want eleven illegitimate kids. Yeah. Although you know, if you can afford them, I would prefer that over zero kids we are pro children having homes i can hear it now clay's gonna get hate mail because they're gonna clip something someone will clip it and just i am what kim jong-un said i totally agree with it'll be clipped uh, right there what's gonna be clipped is you know that kim jong-un has some really good ideas about population wrong on a lot of things like not a big fan of the famine not a big fan (laughs) of the you know like trying to shoot missiles into japan anti-missiles and famine pro kids he's right about the fact that we are collapsing as a society over the next hundred years. If you look, there aren't going to be enough babies in uh, the world. We now have our perfect entry point, Hutton, for our first hate mail with Hutton segment on this show now after Clay made these comments. Clay, appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Appreciate you all. See you. Clay Travis, the fearless leader, founder of OutKick. I'm laughing at that little clip of, you know that Kim Jong-un had had some good ideas about population. Boom, that's it. The weirdest stories from the week that's next on Hot Bite with Honey Withrow across the Outkick Network. Good catching up with Clay Travis. Uh, previous segment, Hot Bite with Honey Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, so we've discussed this before. You, you want to build a home, right, on some property that you own. Yes. And you want to... That is the goal one day. You want to be the, the house where all of the friends want to go and hang out at do yeah. you think we'll get to a point where even though it will be the the cool place to hang no one's going to want to hang because they're just willing to stay indoors and text that's a great question so my oldest daughter is so social like she loves yes. to get out of the house and talk to people yep and like interact face to face she's eight years old so maybe that changes when she gets her own phone or you know, she may be getting something for Christmas. Okay. Not not a phone, but something that, you know, she has that's her own. But very outgoing. Act, wants to be an actor. Once, yeah, she's, she just made the drama club and uh, did very well in all the testing that they do for uh, trying to do different accents, singing, dancing, on all the stuff. Uh, so wants to do all these things. So I think she's going to want to be social and have people over. My, my contention is if kids are going to get together, we all had the buddy in high school that it was a free-for-all that you did whatever you wanted at their friend at that house, right? Yeah, yep. And you could stay up as late as you wanted. You could get come and go as much as you wanted when you got a car. No big issue. That was not my house growing up. That will not be my house either for my daughters. But if it's like a – if everybody's going to get together and watch a movie and play ping pong and hang out in a basement that I'm close to, I'd rather it be at my house than someone else's house. So I like the idea. And then as you get older, like, you know, grandkids and – Nieces and nephews or whoever in the family, when you have a gathering, comes there and then they can hang out. Holidays, you got enough space and room and then you've got, you know, an area where you can hang out. Like my dream in life is to have the basement that everyone can go to to get away from everything else. There's house and there's basement. To escape. Big screen TV, couches, old, old recliner, ping pong table. Big area that like opens out into a basketball goal. You're describing every 
cool house growing up. Amen, Hutton. That, that's This is my little dream in life. And if I can't build that house, then I will sell that land for profit and then try to go find it on the market. <laughs> Which, as we know, the housing market is doomed right now because Gen Zers don't like to have sex right. or have kids. And all they want to do is bet on sports. That's what we learned in the last segment with Clay. But that that is the hope that my house is like the, the gathering place you always my wanted a truck, friends. now you're a pickup man. I think you will achieve this, too. And I don't think I'm ever going to go back. I bought one truck, and I'm thinking, about, I don't know how I drove a car no, for so many another years. One. Now the next vehicle I get will be another truck, so I, I can't go back. Let's get weird. Hate mail with Hutton, by the oh, way. Oh, that's got to that's happen. Uh, the, yeah, for that's a great that, idea. For those that never heard it back on our local Nashville radio days, it is uh, a terrific segment. And to, to give Hutton some, some credit here, the way in which Hutton delivers the hate mail <laughs> Is the best part because it is deadpan, serious, over the top. Now, with Hutton's voice reading these emails or posts, and then Clay having to respond yeah. to some of the worst stuff that you've ever and heard. And I forgot how he gave me access to his email, I believe. And I was able to go through and pick out, they were all legit too. This was like early uh, social media Twitter yeah. days that this would have yeah. been happening. It's so like, I think a lot of it was, was email that he got. Yeah, email or some, some tweets, but not much. Uh, maybe it was on his uh, MySpace account. I don't know. It's very hard to make Clay mad. Oh, yeah. I've seen yes. Clay angry more times in the last like two or three years than maybe the previous 10 or 15 years, but it's still very difficult to make him My mad. My favorite part about that with Hate Mail with Hutton was um, having him break down the comments. Oh, you know, yeah. Using certain language or uh, well, the best upset is he... about something that's crazy. Like, they, but there were like, and he was, he said everything was fair game. I, I remember the the guy who was like complaining about Clay's kids' names. You remember that? Yeah. Well, and the ones that were the best were the ones you'd read, and then Clay would either agree with or th- thought it was pretty yeah, funny. Like, oh, that's not a bad. It's pretty spot on. That's yeah. a good joke there that he made about about this. So we'll bring that back. It is time to get weird with Davy Hudson. And five, four, three, two, one, zero. Talking now. Hey guys, a couple of months ago, we had a story where we discussed Neymar, the football star who had an awkward contract relationship with his girlfriend and just kind of wanted to go ahead and bring this one to the top, talking about tying in having kids uh, from the last segment with Clay on. So uh, Neymar, and I want to make sure I'm pronouncing his fiance's name correctly, but it is uh, Bruna Biancardi. Uh, they just welcomed their first child last month. Sounds hot, by the way. Yeah. I would imagine so if if, if she's able yeah. to date a guy of, of his status. and But they had that weird sex contract, and apparently Neymar broke it. So the couple uh, no longer together, unfortunately. If you remember, the terms of the condition was he could cheat on her, uh, but he had to make sure he wore a condom and he couldn't kiss the other women on the mouth. There were some messages that oppose, supposedly leaked from an OnlyFans content creator that led to some drama there, and so uh, after um, uh, some more issues came to light, they they ended up calling it quits. Sounds like uh, you know a boyfriend girlfriend breakup to me. Yeah. Do do we know which uh, which bylaw he violated? I, I don't have that information. They didn't get that specific, but it, it looks. You know what? As, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and no. say both. Yeah. <laughs> it is an interesting. I'm uh, going to say this rich professional a, football player violated both of those bylaws. It's an interesting uh, bylaw, a rule to be like, you know what? Your lips are mine. No one's touching them. Yeah. And and that's they, it. No forehead yeah. kisses either. No. I, I have declared, decreed the forehead mine as well. 
Uh, Neymar does, just so we get it out there, he denies any wrongdoing and insists that the, uh, the messages that leaked were old, and, uh, but, but for whatever reason, they weren't able to overcome their differences, and uh, uh, him and Bruna no longer together, unfortunately. He said, you yeah. know, love, uh, it's Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, the yeah. only reason to believe in love anymore. They had a job. Like you guys Once talked again. about, some people, they're not having enough sex, and these people, they got a sex contract. It's just, you know. Well, if, uh, if the population was at stake with, with him and her, we'd be okay. Well, I mean, it's, with everyone so else, it's not it's their generation that we're worried about. That's true. He's I, older. I don't have this story in front of me, and I haven't talked about it in probably six years, but I'm going to just wing it. Do you guys remember when the World Cup went to Russia and the local Burger Kings were offering any Russian woman who got knocked up by a World Cup player uh, free food for life? I think uh, there might have been money on top of that as well. I don't remember it being Russia, but I remember that being uh, the situation in a World Cup location. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially, it's just like they're talking about, you know, uh, with the way genetics work, you get knocked up by a professional football star, odds are that kid could potentially have the abilities of his father. And in that yeah. case, their team would be much better, we'll the say, genetics. a generation down the line. So they wanted a piece of the, uh, the superstar status mm -hmm. in their country. I can't remember how Burger King felt... Um, I love how Burger King was the yeah. one who was like, we know what, we're going to keep the genetics here. Well, yeah. at BK, they do have it their way. So yeah. there you go. And a whopper. I was about to say, though, but, but eating that food's probably not best for that player's long-term status as far as being successful. You know, if you're, if you're that genetically inclined, it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, I, I think people would be shocked at the, the diets of some of the best players. Uh, we know a man by the name of Kirby who smokes two packs a day and drinks nothing but Pepsi. Not Diet Pepsi, Pepsi. And he has zero health issues. He's a heart rhythm of an 18-year-old. Yeah, he's, he's got the weight of a 16-year-old and the life expectancy of a vegan from birth. So yep. he's totally fine. I think he, he eats one meal a day also. And it's always red meat. It's a very unhealthy meal, the one meal he has a day. Basically Al Michaels. So genetics. Yeah. What was the Ricky Bobby quote? It's like basically with my high level of income, there's no reason I can't live to be 250, 300 years. That's, and he doesn't have that high level of income, but he's got everything else. <laughs> so. I'm sure he'll appreciate you saying <laughs> Well, we know. I mean, come on. People that know Kirby know. <laughs> All right, guys, our, our next story comes from... Uh, I mean, he's not a real estate developer. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, maybe he does I, that on the side. I don't side. think the audience do that, though. I'm shortchanging him, but... Yeah. They put a pig heart in some guy. I mean, he makes a living. I, I, he I, is alive. Yeah, he's good to go. Uh, man shocked to discover source of headaches for five months is a pair of chopsticks inside his skull. Now, you might be wondering, how did the chopsticks get inside his skull? Uh, this story comes to us from Vietnam, and... This man got into a fight about five months ago. There for a while, he could not remember how these headaches continued to occur, why he was having so many neurological issues. And whenever he went to the doctor, they're like, yeah, man, like you've got chopsticks shoved into your brain, essentially. Uh, we're going to have to perform surgery to get them out. And they're just like, how did this happen? So he starts to think back. And then he recalls one night about five months ago, he got super drunk and got into a fight and then revealed, he's like, oh yeah, I do think somebody stabbed me with something that night. Now, the big story for Stabbed him, him through his super nose? drunk. You would wake at some point. You come to and you're hungover through and the nose, and you see something hanging out of your nose, or in like you you have a pain in blood that would indicate that something went down. I don't think it takes what five months later you're having headaches. Are we talking splinters here? What is this? Chopsticks um, plural. I, I wish yes. I wish I had. Um, 
pictures to show I don't, but the, the CT scan was what revealed that he, he had this neurological issue and that the chopsticks were, in fact, lodged inside his skull. Uh, 35-year-old man, they don't give his name, but it is from uh, Dong Hoi. So if you're familiar with Vietnam geography, uh, this was in Dong Hoi. I'm familiar familiar with liars and idiots, and that's uh, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, I, I just can't I, I understand mean, how this that you wouldn't know. This isn't like something you know. I got beat up and don't remember where I got punched, right? And then had yeah. neurological damage later, and I don't even remember the fight. This is uh, chopsticks lodged through your nose into your yeah. brain. I mean, they, in, they in the movie the, pair, the Hangover, you, he's missing a tooth when he comes to, and it, he acknowledges that the tooth is missing. Not, it doesn't happen five months later. That's also that's more understandable. Like the, the, that story, chopsticks. The, the plot to the Hangover is more believable. Also, if this. if you are fighting someone, how do you how do you put chopsticks up their nose? You're, if you're fighting someone. That's how. Yeah, throwing stars and everything else is there. Nope. Chopsticks. I think Dumb the man's going to make a full recovery, though. It's the important part, well, you know. Good for him. Uh, and then uh, genetics. Another story. So uh, you guys remember T.J. Hushmanzada? I do. Oh, yeah. It's always a fun name to say. You know, former NFL wide receiver. Well, he's actually had to file a restraining order, or he's seeking another restraining order because there is a woman who pretty much is just obsessed with him and his family. She's even gone to the lengths of changing her last name, which was originally. Selkirk, which no offense if your last name is Selkirk, but I think saying Hushmanzada sounds better. But Annette Selkirk has changed her name to uh, Annette Marie Hushmanzada uh, in attempts to become closer to TJ and his family. Uh, there's also weird situations where she's posting online as though she is the mother of his children. And TJ, is, as he's filed this restraining order, uh, he's basically just asking, just like, listen, like, just keep her away from me and my family. She's unhinged. Is this, this an is... ex? No. So uh, they have no relationship with each other. Didn't know each other. Not, not according to the court docs. Uh, the one thing was she, oh, the first restraining order was placed on her in 2015, but it was only for four years. So after it expired in 2019, I don't know if things had died down, but obviously things have gotten to the point again to where she is now, or she's now bothering him. And he's like, I, I need another restraining order. At what point do you get institutionalized for this, if it continues? I mean, they've never met. They have no prior relationship. Oh, I have a feeling they've met. Probably, but he's claiming, claiming to be the mom of his children. Well, he's claiming to not yeah. have any relationship yes. with her ever, never know who she is, but she's so obsessed with him, with TJ Hushmanzada. Right. Yeah, she's claim, or TJ's claiming she's been posing as the Hushman mother of Zada his kids. is the last name. Uh, my guess is it's not random. And he's been out of the league for so long. That it, well, that's it, certainly not I a would random. buy it if it was like uh, someone was obsessed with, you know, Tom Cruise. But we've yeah. seen crazy people get obsessed with super celebrities. That's the whole plot to The Bodyguard, uh, right? Was the, with Whitney Houston's character in it. So, but TJ Hushmanzada, that leads me to believe what Hutton is saying, that they have some sort of prior relationship that she believes she should be with him. Yes, that's not that, a celebrity to the level that I would think that you would obsess over. I, I mean, look, crazy people are crazy. I'm trying to rationalize with the insane, oh, which is insane is, by me. This is but very I, weird. I feel like they knew each other before. Yeah, I, it, to claim you don't know who it is and have never interacted with him, that. Well, he's not claiming they've never interacted because they've had the restraining order again. Right. I, they don't leave the details as what led to the restraining order taking place in 2015. But after it's expired, he's like, listen, we're still having issues. She's um, TJ's married. He's like, she's contacting my wife. I think that's the key there. Yeah, it's a little single white female yeah. action going on. 
Look, also, look, hey, kids, look that movie up. It's a good one. So Bridget Fonda. I would believe the story from Vietnam, Davey, uh, with the chopsticks, uh, if it were, let's say, a David Blaine-type deal where the guy was trying to pretend to be that. In a fight? Five months later, you realize that chopsticks are up your nose? Tough to buy. <laughs> Tough to buy. Good so job, Davey. Some of the movement in the portal. That's next.